Yo, y'all, what's going on? This is Big Cozy, Too Cozy, and Relaxing, Noji underscore Jackson, and we are here to talk about more MMA news and more MMA events, you know, situations, fights, fighters, things like that. We are back for yet again another episode of the Highly Advised MMA Podcast. How are you? Wow. What's up, everybody? It's your boy, Big Cozy, Too Cozy. You know, we're here for episode two of the Highly Advised MMA podcast. Um, we got a few things to talk about, but before we really get into it, make sure you follow us at the Highly Advised podcast on Instagram. Make sure you follow us at Advise Highly on Twitter. And please subscribe to our YouTube channel, the Highly Advised podcast. Make sure you like, comment, subscribe, share to a friend, family member, whatever. So make sure you do that. Uh, we're here. We got a few things to talk about in the world of MMA. We're we're definitely trying to be more um, involved in what's going on behind the scenes and actually what's in the the cage or octagon, depending on whatever promotion or ring, because some MMA promotions use the use a ring. So um, yeah, Nigel, how how have you been? Um, ready to talk about any MMA? Yeah, let's just let's, let's get. Re- into it really you know it's crazy because there hasn't been a fight since what before this fight that just happened on this past weekend uh right. the 17th of like december or something like that it's been a bit and i think everybody was kind of looking forward to this fight funny enough um both main events had sean strickland and he went in and fought um i can't honestly don't want to try to pronounce um the fighter's name he went against i know i will badly fuck it up but um Imavov. Imavov, thank you. And he went in there, and surprisingly to me, because I thought Imavov was going to be the winner of this fight, Sean Strickland went in on two days' notice and beat him and, you know, or I should say protected his spot in the top 10 of the middleweight division. To me, Sean Strickland coming in, beating him on such short notice says that, hey, Sean Strickland has the style that apparently this guy was not prepared for. And it's kind of, I would say, good on Sean Strickland for going in there and winning a fight. I didn't expect him to win a fight because I thought Imavov was just going to be the more skilled fighter, but he pretty much weared on him for majority of the fight and did his style of walking him down and, you know, mixing up grappling and his stand-up. Now, um, so after seeing that main event, would you recommend, like, hey, it's a fight everybody should go back and check it out? And the next thing I would ask, I guess, is what do you see what's next for Sean Strickland? You know, I would say Sean Strickland's definitely earned somebody in the top five. You know, you got a, you got Izzy in there, Whitaker. Um, I would say Marvin Vittori's probably in the top five at the moment. You know, I think he's earned, I mean, of course you have Alex, but, you know, he's probably going to fight Izzy. So I would say he's earned his fight against one of them. The fight was okay. You know, it was a little back and forth. It wasn't necessarily the worst fight I've ever seen, not not a barn burner either. But to me, I think that's what he should be doing next, fighting somebody in the top five. Okay. Okay. Um, is there any other fights from the the past fight night, or I guess past two fight nights you you want to reference before we move on 
to the next thing. Shout out to Dan Ige, you know. He went in there. He got his knockout win. It was kind of impressive. The guy he beat, you know, got folded back, and that's just the way it was. I, I can't remember his name at the moment. Um, Damon Jackson. Damon Jackson, thank you. And, you know, I'm not going to say that he was necessarily fighting the worst fight ever, but, you know, Dan Ige, they call him 50K, you know, because he got that power in his hand. So there it goes. He won the fight, and, you know, he's probably going to end up fighting somebody in the, I would say, top 10 next. Okay. Uh, is there any names that you think that you will like to see him go against for his at, next fight? At Featherweight? I don't know, man. Like, what's Arnold Allen doing? It would be a nice fight for Bryce Mitchell to kind of come back to somebody who's trying to earn their way into the top 10 where he's at. So I think that would yeah. be an interesting matchup. Okay. Okay. So I don't know if he had a chance to watch the 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 press conference of the fight night that just passed this weekend. Um, Dana White was on there and he definitely broke some fight news that I know that you're aware of, but for the listeners, um, I guess let's just start with what's the, the biggest piece of news that he revealed. Francis Ngannou has been stripped of the UFC heavyweight championship and the belt is now vacant. This is the biggest, I would say, free agent departure that we've seen from the UFC in modern times. I don't think we've seen something like this since like people were leaving to go to Pride and Strike Force, PFL. Yeah. I'm sorry, yeah. IFL. You know what I mean? Yeah. We haven't seen like people separate. I don't even want to, I don't want to say that because not everybody. This is just like one of the biggest stars to leave, but we haven't seen something like this in quite a bit of time. Yeah. For I'll say for the 2000, well, for sure, it, it might be the biggest for the for the 20s, right? As of right now, we don't know what's going to happen for the remaining uh, seven years of this decade, right? But for, um, I will say, if, if you had to do 2013 from 2023, I would say it's probably the biggest, the, the biggest free agent. Because I know Eddie Alvarez was pretty big, but he's not as well-known as Francis Zagano is today. Right. Now, for, for hardcore MMA fans or or MMA fans that that watch MMA very frequently and, and understand what's going on, they know how uh, how much of a big deal Eddie Alvarez is. But as far as like a superstar or somebody that you're trying to put on the main event of a pay-per-view, it's, you know, they haven't had anybody on the Francis Ngannou level that just officially became a free agent from the UFC, especially after the UFC. Well, according to Dana White, they were, so, they were throwing him so much money that Francis would have been the highest paid heavyweight in UFC history. Now, of course, even though it's coming from Dana's mouth, he could still kind of take it with a grain of salt because we don't know how much money that is. We don't right. know how much... Dana says that he is going to be getting paid. He would have got paid more than Brock Lesnar, but we don't know what that number is for Francis. It could be, hey, a million dollars per fight. It could be $2 million per fight. It could be a million dollars per pay-per-view. It could be $2 million per pay-per-view. We don't necessarily know that number. And if Francis walked away from a seven-figure number, it's probably because he could – he. Either something is letting him know, whether it's a person or a company outside of the UFC, letting him know we're offering eight figures or better, or 
it could still be a seven figure number, but just larger than what the UFC offered. But I don't, I would like to say that I think Francis is gambling on himself and Francis is taking the, uh, a chance to basically test the market when it comes to uh, this free agency to see how much money he's going to get. I would like to think that he is pursuing that big boxing fight with Tyson Fury that's been rumored, but I'm not going to say that is for sure the thing. I would like to see Francis stay with the UFC for, if if we're going to be honest, far as like competition standpoint, because the best heavyweights are in the UFC right now. But if Francis gets a deal with like the PFL, or he's able to go, you know, to Bellator or something because they're they're offering him double than what Dana White offered him, then more power to him. You should go get your money because at the end of this game, it, it is prize fighting. So once you once you get your money and stuff like that, if you still want to stay in the game, then I would say, hey, go fight the best competition. But we'll see what happens with Francis. I hope. Francis could get himself a really nice lucrative deal, but we'll just see. Well, well, I guess that's it. We'll just see. What was your opinion on that? To me, I think it's interesting to see Francis Ngannou be a free agent. You know, my issue, I don't even think I necessarily have an issue with him leaving. I think it's good that he's going out to try to get the most money he can. Obviously, the deal that the UFC presented him was not up to his standard, so he left. I'm not sure if that's necessarily a fight or pay thing or if that's a Francis Ngannou thinks he's worth more thing. But, I mean, who knows? I think if he's going to pursue the fight with Tyson Fury, I think that's the best monetary move he can make. If he signs with another MMA promotion, he probably can get paid a lot of money. I don't think it would um, compare to that fight. My only issue with him going to another MMA promotion is who is he going to fight? Like, yeah, there are other heavyweights out there that he can fight that aren't in the UFC. But, like, who of note that's actually interesting is he going to fight? And, you know, let's uh, say there's one person like that. Are there two or three? You know what I mean? Like, this is what we're looking forward to in the future. I don't think he's going just for one super fight and then being out. I I put like this. It all kind of depends on the offers that Francis get and the opponents that's available for him. I think that if we're just talking strictly money, go after the Tyson Fury fight, if available. Go after that because more than likely Francis can get that eight-figure payday, $10 million or above, right? That's probably the, the, the only place where he's going to get an eight-figure payday for him. Now, if he's talking about just MMA, I would like to... Now, if it depends on competition, right? If we're talking about finding the best of the best of the world, right? Uh, I With the most eyeballs on you and everything, then, you would, then he would have to go back to UFC. But obviously, that's not the situation anymore because he didn't like what they offered him. So now, the only three like promotions that's worth anything to talk about... On 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 the global level is either one FC, PFL, or Bellator. I think out of those three, far as like MMA competition, Bellator probably has the best heavyweight division out of those three. So if you if Bellator could make him an offer, and but Francis still wants to fight 
somewhat uh somewhat of a challenge when it comes to the competition standpoint i will go to bellator if he wants to go somewhere where he can make a lot more money but he'll get the eyeballs on him and he might not fight the best competition but he'll still get some notoriety because people do tune in i will say the pfl if he just wants to go balls to the wall look they offer me a lot of money i don't care if the competition is premiere or not then go to one fc right i think that's all it just really depends on what he what he really wants and what's the offers being thrown his way because he already walked away from the ufc so really he got he only has four options right one fc or i guess five if you add bare knuckle but i really don't want to see him go bare knuckle I think that's a bad um, move. I think that is the one bad move in the situation. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I don't want to see him in bare knuckle. And quite frankly, I just don't want to see him in one FC. And not nothing against one FC, but as of right now, I don't think like that's a superb heavyweight division at the moment. That one FC might develop into a place where hey, all the heavyweight MMA fighters want to be here. But right now, I don't think that's the place. I think PFL has potential, and I think Bellator right now is the second best spot for MMA when it comes to heavyweights. Um, or just go straight to the boxing, if you can get that. If you can get that that million-dollar payday, whether it's a high seven-figure number or eight-figure number, Francis, go for it, you know? Because... Him versus Tyson Fury, yeah, that's a tall task for Francis. But at the end of the day, he will be paid. And 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 I think that's like one of his biggest things. It's not all about the money with Francis. He's already came out and said that. But I think that if he can get what he's looking for on a contract plus getting paid, I think he'll be satisfied. No, that leaves the other side of this. Obviously, with Francis Ngannou going to get his money, there is a vacant belt. So Dana White at the press conference last night, he says, hey, the fight that we are making in its place since Francis Ngannou has vacated the belt is John Jones making his return against Surreal Gone. This is an interesting fight for quite a few reasons. Obviously, John Jones is coming off his lengthy hiatus defeat to fight surreal gone coming off a nice knockout over a two or a tie to avasa um i don't really know who i'm gonna pick in this fight just yet i think this is a little interesting fight because it's not just some slouch this is number two in the heavyweight division right now you know so this is probably i would say outside of the francis fight probably the best fight for john jones that you can make stipe i think would have been cool but I honestly think Stipe kind of lowered his value in this like little, I would say, vacant, vacant spot by just not fighting. You know, like I understand that a lot of us like in the MMA community consider him to be one of the best heavyweights ever. But that being said, if we're going to be honest, nobody's excited to see the John Jones Stipe fight the way they would be excited for Surreal Gone or Francis Ngannou. And that just is what it is. Right. I, I think with that is Stipe does have still has his fan base out there. Um, a lot of people do uh, root for him dearly, and they and they they're just he has a true following. And my opinion on the whole Stipe situation is 
with it when he got the rematch against Daniel Cormier, it made a lot of sense, right? He gave he basically gave Daniel Cormier a gift title shot. It didn't work out for him. Yeah, he got KO'd. He came back and KO'd Daniel and then they did the trilogy right away, right? Because Daniel was like, Look, I gave you a rematch. Just give me give me one. Fair enough, right? When he fought Francis, Francis was at that time, Francis was the for sure number one contender. He was knocking people out. There was nobody else that had a uh outside of Stipe and Daniel, who just retired at that point, too. There was nobody else for a better had a better resume to challenge for the heavyweight title at that time, but Francis. Francis knocks out Stipe in the second round of that their title fight. And before him knocking out, Stant Francis was, was in control of the entire fight. So it wasn't like a back and forth war and Francis got a split decision win or a back and forth war and Francis happened to get him with a lucky knockout or back and forth war and Stipe was very well on his way of winning, but he just happened to get TKO'd or some shit like that. Uh, uh, slipped on a banana peel. So so outside of those situations, I didn't really think it was necessary for the Stipe and Francis trilogy to happen. Because I was like, you know, it wasn't like a uh, you a gift to title shot. It wasn't like those situations I just mentioned. I just felt like, hey, it was it, it was a rematch, but it was a rematch. I mean, it's a fight that's happening again years later from the first one. So I think that Francis winning that he just he earned the right to move on to fight other opponents. Um, I think Stipe should have took another fight, and uh, I'm not saying give him a, a tune up, but you know, give him a fight, a chance to fight against, uh, you know, another top contender. Stipe won that. He's right back there ready for a title shot. But I think that kind of hindered his chances where now, of course, I'm not in the the planning circles or the stages when when you're booking fights. But if you have to go by all the reports and, and shit that you've seen on the internet, and I know don't always believe the internet, but if you had to go by that, you would see like, hey, Stipe only wanted that rematch against Francis. Well, that's not necessarily what the UFC wanted. And that's why everything is kind of like you haven't seen you haven't seen that Stipe Francis talk get any bigger than it has. Um, I would like to see Stipe come back and fight. I don't know who. Uh that Curtis Blade fight would look really good for Stipe, but we'll you know, I guess we'll just have to wait and see how the UFC is handling uh, Stipe. Um, my thought on Ger- John Jones and Cyril Gaon is, I think John and Cyril Gaon, I think this is a good matchup. It is. Because I know people might not like to hear this, but I think this is honestly a good match, a favorable matchup for John to start his heavyweight journey. Because He's not fighting. Yes, he is fighting a guy that is dangerous in Saragon. I'm not going to sit there and say Saragon is some walk in the park joke. But this is not like John Jones fighting Estipe or John Jones fighting uh, Curtis Blades. Two guys with a wrestling acumen. So he's so I think this is like a good fight for John Jones. Yeah, he's fighting the top of the division, but he's also fighting a guy who doesn't have that grappling pedigree 
as the other two fighters that I mentioned. So I feel like this is a good testing girl for John to see like, okay, can he start hanging with the heavyweights or is this a little too much for him? So I think it's a per. I think this is good matchmaking. I really want to see this fight. Um, I'm not going to predict a winner yet until we get closer to the fight, but I'm excited to see this uh, heavyweight championship fight. So also on that card, we had another fight announced, which is a fight that the fans have been waiting for. The rematch from last year, I would like to say around July, Leon Edwards knocked out Kamaru Usman in the fifth round of their fight for the welterweight belt. We will get the trilogy on the same card, UFC 286. So I think that card, it might, it's going to be a good card to watch. I'm not sure if it necessarily earned the $75, but it is going to be worth watching for sure. Well, I think it's eighty dollars now. <laughs> I don't know, Dana. You gotta, yeah. you gotta think of another fight to put on there. No, I, I'm gonna support the Leon Edwards Kamara Usman trilogy. Um, I, you got two, you got two really good fighters on there. Two definitely top three welterweights. Both of them are in the top three. Obviously, it's the one and the two um, going against each other for the third time. And I think this this is the right fight to make. I was kind of saying that in the past in previous uh, podcast episodes. But I think that this is the right fight to make for that trilogy fight. I think, um, I think obviously, Leon has a lot to, he wants to prove like, hey, me knocking out Kamara wasn't a fluke. And I think Kamara wants to prove like, hey, not only I'm the best welterweight in the world, but the, the, the knockout should have never have happened type of deal. So I think this is a good trilogy fight to make. I saw that uh, Dana announced that Rafael Fiziev is going against Justin Gaethje, which in my opinion is a really good fight to make because, hey, Rafael Fiziev is looking like the future of the lightweight division Mm -hmm. while Justin Gaethje is looking like, all right, is he going to be still a, a top 10 lightweight fighter or is his time starting to come? And I think that's a really good fight. I know there's other fights for that card, but just for the sake of today, we're just talking, we were just mentioning the trilogy being announced. Yeah, I definitely am looking forward to that card, but uh, I guess to move on, or I should say to, you know, move forward in time a little bit, we have UFC 283 coming on the first pay-per-view of the year. This is happening in Brazil. This is the first Brazil fight we've, or we've had since what, like the pandemic started? Yeah, the the last Brazil card was that um the Kevin Lee when he lost to uh, Charles Oliveira, and that's when people started talking about like, oh, well, keep an eye out for Charles Oliveira. He's he's you know he's make he's has a really good win streak. Da da da. This is like right before the Tony Ferguson fight. All right, so yeah, you know you, the crowd is about to be amazing for this one. The Brazil crowd always shows up. They say their chants, and you know they cheer for their. Uh, I would say, uh, how would you describe them? What nation, man? Countrymen? Countrymen. I was going to say they're countrymen, yeah. Okay. So um, you want to start this fight off, or I'll say talking about this fight card with the two um, fights that we saw in the prelims that were interesting to us? Um, I guess we could start off by mentioning what prelim fights we're interested in. Um, The two that I'm interested in is the one with Terrence McKinney and the other one with Shogun. Now, Terrence McKinney, he's kind of, he's starting to get a social media presence. Um, 
but he's a good fighter. He's besides the Drew Dober fight, he's finished his opponents and he's finishing them fast. Yep. So there's yeah, there's veteran fighters saying like, hey, Terrence McKinney's actually pretty solid. The dude works hard, you know, look out for him in the future. So I'm I'm curious to see his fight. Um for Shogun, on the other hand, I believe this is Shogun's last fight. Don't quote me on that, but if it is for sure his last fight, I I still want to see it. It's he's Shogun is forever etched in MMA history. Um, if he had a top ten greatest light heavyweights of all time, Shogun is absolutely in that top ten. Yeah, um, he yeah he without a doubt he's beat he's. He's had he has a strong resume. He's beat some legends and 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 fought some good guys. Um so I want to see. It. I don't know, I don't know how he's gonna fare in his last fight because yeah, you know, he is getting older. He's not the shogun that won the title for Machida. He's not the shogun that KO'd Rampage. He's you know what I mean? He he's not the shogun that KO'd Chuck Liddell. So he um I just want to see how he does and and hopefully he has a good showing. You know, win or lose, hopefully he has a good showing and he's able to retire with his head held high. All right. So with that being said, to start off the main card, we have Paul Craig versus Johnny Walker. Um, I think this is a fight that Paul Craig wins unless he gets cracked by Johnny Walker. He has that ability in him. But Paul, I agree. Craig, Paul Craig has that ability in him as well. And the ground game to go with it, which I don't think Johnny Walker is really going to be able to hang with Paul Craig on the ground as crafty as he has shown himself to be. He, I, I agree. I don't think that uh, Johnny Walker is going to be able to uh, really swim with the sharks when it comes to the grappling on the ground with Paul Craig. Um, I am picking Paul Craig to win this, to win this fight, just because I believe that his grappling it's always going to be a threat no matter who he faces because he's that he's that damn good with his submissions and everything. Um, Johnny Walker, he he does have that knockout power. So, yes, he can any on any given fight night. He can catch you with something and knock you clean out, as happened in a few other fights. Uh, I just think that Paul Craig is a little stiffer in competition than what Johnny Walker is usually used to facing outside of um Corey Anderson. Outside of Corey Anderson, I think Paul Craig is and like Jamal the next Hill. and Jamal Hill. Yes, I give that credit. Who's also who's fighting for the title in the main event. Yeah. Besides those two guys, I think um Paul Craig is going to be pretty stiff for him, especially on the grappling side of things. Um I wouldn't recommend Paul Craig to get in a striking battle with Johnny Walker. I don't think that would turn out well. But if he uses his striking to to mix it up with with Johnny, so, so he could drag him to the ground into his world, I I think it will be his fight to lose. So I um I, I am picking Paul Greg to win this fight. All right. So the next fight we have is Jessica Andrade versus Lauren Murphy. I think this is an interesting fight to make. Jessica Andrade is on a little bit of a winning streak, if I'm not mistaken, and she's been finishing her last few opponents. She's been looking like a steamroller at flyweight at the moment. Um, Lauren, Lauren Murphy, I don't feel, is a bad fighter. I think she's a well-rounded fighter. I don't think she's necessarily skilled enough to stand the storm that's going to come with Jessica Andrade, that being said. She's really been looking like 
damn near unstoppable in these last few fights that she's had. So I, I'm picking Jessica Andrade to win this fight. But that being said, I'm not sure if it's necessarily going to be. I don't know if she's going to get the finishes she's been getting in the last few fights. Um, I am going to pick Jessica Andrade over Lauren Murphy. Um, I am going to predict. Uh, oh, let me just say this for the Johnny Walker Paul Craig fight. I'm predicting a first round submission for Paul Craig to be more specific. Okay. For uh, Jessica Andrade, I am predicting a second round KO for Jessica Andrade to win. Um, I think Laura Murphy is a tough out. I think she's proved it. Laura Murphy is a top 10 uh, woman's flyweight fighter without a shadow of doubt. Top five for sure. Jessica Andrade, man, she's like the the premier, the 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 premier number two in any weight class she fights. The only people she loses to is is the current title holders. Outside of the current title holders, I think she beats every other woman in in the division. She's beat former champions. She used to be a champion herself. She, I think Jessica Andrade has what it takes to be a champion again. I agree. I think I don't think Laura Murphy is going to be able to handle the power of Jessica Andrade for too much long. Yes, I think she'll be able to uh, hit Jessica Andrade because Jessica Andrade doesn't have the best striking defense. But I think once Jessica Andrade gets to gets to rolling and she she, she starts clicking, it's going to be a long night. And uh, Laura Murphy, uh, I mean, she was an underdog before and with the Misha Tate fight and she dominated Misha Tate. So she could always do that again with Jessica. But I think Jessica Andrade, I think it's going to be her night on Saturday. The next fight we have, the middle fight card, um, I would say, or I'll say middle card fight is Gilbert Burns versus Neil Magny. Um, Neil Magny isn't necessarily an easy out. He's a skilled fighter. But what I will say is I feel like everywhere that he's good at, Gilbert Burns is better than him. Not only that, I feel like Gilbert Burns has knockout power that he can use against Neil Magny on one of these transitions, getting up from the ground where he's good at, he's showing it, and knock him out. So I have Gilbert Burns finishing this fight in the second round. Really? I have a first-round knockout for Gilbert. I think Gilbert, yeah, I think Gilbert Burns is is – very skilled. I think he's easily one of the best welterweights in the world. Top five, absolutely. Um, I think the only thing that kind of hindered him was that loss to Homicide. Because, but at the same time, Homicide's proven that he's elite himself. I think Gilbert Burns is going to knock Neil Magny out in the first round. I'm not saying it's going to be like within the first two exchanges, no. But I think... Once the fight gets rolling forward some at some point in that first round, I, I think Gilbert got the power to to put Neil Magny away. And I'm not even saying from a from a skill set standpoint, because Neil Magny, like you said, he is a good all-around fighter and he does a lot of good things. Unfortunately, I don't think his chin is gonna hold up against the power of Gilbert Burns. I agree. Now the next fight we have, which is an interesting fight for many reasons, the first saga we have in the UFC, the fourth fight between Davison Figueredo and Brandon Moreno. Interesting matchup. Obviously, this is, I would say, if Gilbert Burns is probably, or I would say, it's one of the more fights that's more predictable 
This fight is a toss-up. It's a toss-up if yeah. they've ever been a toss-up. They fought three yeah. times. The first time they had a draw, and then they split wins to the next two. I have no yeah. idea how this fight's going to go. I just expect it to be a good one. Yeah, I expect this fight to be the fight of the night. I expect this one to steal the show. I, th- I thought the third fight, um, when there were the co-main event under Francis and Cyril Khan, I thought they stole the show on that on that night because they they have good chemistry together when it comes to fighting. And I know that they're both trying to finish each other. They're not trying to be in there in a five-round war. But I with these guys, I think we can expect a five-round war. They already showed that three times. They're willing to go against each other. And their fights are very entertaining. All three of them have been very entertaining. So I expect nothing less than this fourth fight. Um, this is a toss-up, a 50-50 fight. But if I had to go with the winner... I would. I think I'm going to side with Brandon Moreno just because I feel like Brandon Moreno has been training, has been in the gym, has been fighting more frequently since his last fight. Yeah, it's only been one fight, but he's been more active than Davidson Figueredo. And there's been rumors going around saying Davidson is not necessarily – in fighting shape he's you know there's talk there's been talks about him moving up to bantamweight and stuff so i don't know if the weight is going to play an issue in his fight with against brandon um if they're both on point like i said it's 50 50 but if those if the if the issue is about like oh well he is kind of struggling with his weight or he hasn't really been training da 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 because he's for whatever reason then maybe I could give the edge to Brandon Moreno a little bit. But this is, once again, listeners, this is a fight that both, that either man can win. And this is definitely the the most challenging uh, prediction of, of this night. All right. So the next fight we have is the main event, Glover Teixeira versus Jamal Hill. And I think this fight will answer a lot of questions. Glover Teixeira is the wily veteran in here who, you know, to everybody's surprise, beat Jan and then, you know, also beat, or I should say did not beat Jerry. Jerry got the title, but then put up a, I would say, a good fight from him. They had a really back and forth fight. Jerry gets the title taken away because of injury, and now we have this here to take up the vacant title between them. Jamal Hill, while I like him and I think he's a very skilled fighter, I think that if Glover Teixeira does have a chance against a top light heavyweight. This isn't necessarily the worst fight for him to have, only because I feel like Glover Teixeira has shown, if nothing else, that if he needs to depend on his ground game, he will depend on his ground game to win. And that being said, he's not all that bad on the feet still either. He can still, you know, throw some punches here and there. So I don't want to choose Glover just because I don't think he's getting any older. And I don't, or I said, I don't think he's getting any younger. And I feel like he just doesn't have what it takes to beat a young up and coming Jamal Hill who's hungry for the belt. I think he's going to take the fight. I wouldn't be surprised if he got the finish, but I'm looking for this to be a decision win by Jamal Hill. I'm picking Glover to win um, submission by the second round. Really? Um, Yeah, I am. Uh, The reason being is, yes, I know people are saying like, oh, well, he has the better grappling than Jamal Hill. And fair enough, he probably does. I think what the reason why he's going to beat Jamal Hill is more or less of his fight IQ. 
I seen some stuff in that Diego Santos fight that Jamal Hill did need to go through. You need to go through adversity to know where your strength resides and what you need to work on. Um, but I just think that him fighting Glover Teixeira on short notice doesn't really necessarily favor him. Glover, he's fight, he's fought really good guys at light heavyweight. He's beat some of them, and he hasn't beat some of them. But he's been in there for a long time. His IQ is up there. I He was winning that year for Zaka fight before he got submitted. Glover is not a dumb fighter. Yes, his old, what he substitute for his old age is kind of like what uh, the great Kobe Bryant did when compared to basketball. He's, what he substituted was, yeah, he... I'm older now. I can't perform as athletically as before, but I still got the fundamentals. I still got the skills, but I also got my mind. I know I know what to do in here because I've been in this situation plenty of times. Right. So my my IQ is still good enough to get me through a fight. My IQ is still good enough to get me to a championship. And that's what I think Glover has over Jamal Hill. Now, this is not to say Jamal can't win. Jamal got that knockout power. And also, Jamal has shown that he is a tough, he is tough. You're not, just because you take him down and just because you land a few shots on him does not mean that he's going to go ahead and curl up and, and cover up. Remember, his loss to Paul Craig, he was still kind of fighting until his arm was just like flopping around where yeah. literally he couldn't do nothing no more. So, that shows like, okay, this guy's not going to be easy to put away or easy to beat because he does have a tough mindset and he still has that knockout power behind him. I just don't know if, I just think Lover's experience and IQ is going to win him this fight. And I think because of that, I think he's going to find a way to to not only get Jamal on the ground, but be able to to catch him in a submission. Okay, so out of all the fights on the main card, what would you say is the for sure bet? Ooh. Uh, Gilbert Burns winning. I I'm going to say that's for sure. I was thinking that, but I was like, I was thinking that, but I was like, man, Lauren Murphy is kind of a tough out, and it's not unrealistic for her to pull off an upset. Neil Magny, no disrespect to Neil Magny. Once again, we we gave him his props and stuff. He's definitely a really good fighter. And this is a fight that he does belong in to see if he can get into that top 10 or not. But I just feel like this fight is just, I just think that it's not, I don't think it's a fight that's going to fare out well for him. And if he proves me wrong and stuff, then yeah, fuck it. I'm wrong, right? No, I'm not. There's nothing, no shame in my fucking game. I'm just, this is just my prediction and what I think may happen. What do you think is the, who is the biggest underdog on the card? That has a chance to win, obviously. Um, if it's not Neil Magny, it's probably Jamal Hill. Okay. And the biggest toss-up, obviously, we talked about is the Brandon Moreno, Davidson Figueredo fight. So, you know, I yeah, think that's, that's, gonna... that's the fight of the night for me. Fight of the night, I think Gilbert Burns is going to take the show. I think he's going to put on a performance on Saturday. No, no. I'm talking about fight of the night, like back and forth fight between two guys. That's fair. I, I think it's the, I think it's, I think it's the Figueredo Moreno fight. Um, but the fight, I'm actually uh, 
I mean, there, this is a good card. I'm not going to hate. This is a good card. There's some definitely some interesting things on there that'll make me be like, yeah, I, I, this is why I want to tune into this fight because I want to see this. I want to see X, Y, Z. So this is a good card. I like the main card. I think the main card, it, um, the the guys at UFC matchmaking, I think they did a good job. They they try to put fights on there that can be entertaining. So, all right. Well, do you have anything else for the listeners before we get out of here? Uh, listeners, um, besides following us on on Instagram at the Highly Advised Podcast, Twitter Advise Highly, and make sure you please su- subscribe to us out of YouTube at the Highly Advised Podcast. Um, we we definitely gonna plan to release more MMA episodes, MMA MMA excuse me specific episodes. So the highly advised MMA episode two, there will be a highly advised episode MMA three, where we review uh, these pay-per-view fights. Now, listeners, I can't promise that we will be doing MMA episodes every week, uh, but we're going to do it more often than not. Um, I would like to say is we just, besides our separate lives, our, our, our busy lifestyles and stuff, I would like to, or I guess we would like to tailor the the MMA episodes around events that are worth talking about versus not. So if it's a if it's a week where it's just slow, there's no MMA fights going on, or if there is, it's just fights that we know that aren't is not going to necessarily bring bring new bring big news you might not see an episode from us that week. And that's not disrespect to any MMA fighter or organization, but it's just balancing this out amongst all the other podcast stuff we have going on. So hopefully listeners you or or viewers, you enjoy not only this episode, but you enjoy this, this concept that we have and uh, let us know what you think. And we'll, we're going to listen to the feedback and try to be better from it. All right, y'all. With that being said, um, you know, I agree with everything Lyle said. Y'all been highly advised. Peace out till next time.